This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, tech girl, Miriam Joie. Brought to you by Audible. Stay tuned for a special offer at the end of the show. Hi and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Joie, and today is Friday, July 2nd. 2021 and my guest is the excellent john fingers of engadget and android authority hi john how are you hi i'm doing all right thanks like so much has changed i think since the last time i was on the podcast yeah you're writing for two publications now yeah like which is like interesting because you get like sort of different perspectives different angles different priorities so that's kind of exciting everything seems different so well Happy Canada Day, belated, as both Canadians, I, I had to, you know, do that. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Merci. Merci. All right. So we got a whole bunch of news today. Last week was actually a pretty quiet week, but this week technically was Mobile World Congress. I just want to acknowledge that. Although <laughs> I really don't think, I mean, you tell me because you cover news extensively for Engadget on Android Authority. There wasn't that much news from MWC, really, other than the Samsung stuff we're going to talk about, right? Yes, it was like it was pretty low key. Like uh, even at Android Authority, where you'd think it would be, you know, like they'd be diving into every last little thing. It's like no, it's kind of like I mean, it's an event, but it's it reminds me of like CTIA in the old days, where it's like maybe you'll get some news, maybe you won't, that kind of thing. I mean you know, a lot of companies pulled out. So like, it wasn't going to mm-hmm. be, any, and even Samsung's announcement, you know, while it did happen within the context of MWC was really could have happened as a standalone thing, right? So I don't even think of it as an MWC announcement, even though it technically was, right? Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. kind of like a, just timed along that line. Yeah, so I think, look, we can't really talk about MWC like we normally do. First of all, it's the wrong time of the year. I actually mm-hmm. got a press pass. I was invited to attend it in person, and that's exciting that that was an option, but I couldn't find a sponsor to fly me out there. There's no way I'm going to spend my own money to go to MWC at the end of a pandemic. Yeah, basically, that's kind of my take. <laughs> I, I would have loved to do it if somebody had paid for it, but it was, just wasn't feasible, so... I mean, yeah. I'm vaccinated. I can travel. They were letting foreigners in. It could have happened. All mm-hmm. right. So let's talk about the first big news, I think, this week. At CS, in, you know, virtual CS, TCL launched the 20 series this year. Last year it was the 10 series. So in case you're kind of climbed from under a rock, TCL makes television. You probably know that. But TCL, mm-hmm. you know, is kind of the parent company to a bunch of phone brands like Alcatel that, you know, sells cheap prepaid phones to, you know, virtual operators and, and smaller carriers. And of course, you know, they did the Blackberries there for a little while, the key one and the key two. Uh, TCL kind of had the tutelage of the Blackberry brand for phones for a bit, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, man. It's, uh, I only got to try the key one for a little bit, but uh, that was a well-designed phone. It felt yeah. like just just solid overall package, which was no mean feat, especially, you know, for a keyboard phone in, you know, like the 2010s, basically. So Sure. And the Key 2 was fantastic as well. And then, you mm-hmm. know, of course, the Palm phone, the, the little mini tiny phone, was mm-hmm. a collaboration between that startup that acquired the Palm name and TCL. TCL was the manufacturing partner. Of course, none of these partnerships exist anymore. Like, they only have Alcatel now, technically, in terms of their external branded phones. But 
here's the thing, and that's why this ties in with this 20 series. Last year's 10 series was the first effort for at least North America to introduce TCL branded phones to this market. And they came out with a series of phones that were very competitive. And so this 20 series builds up on that. And there are five phones altogether. Two of them are Europe and rest of the world only. And three of them are North America centric. And those are the ones we want to discuss today because the 20 series is now finally available in North America. And it comes in three flavors. There's a 20 Pro 5G, which I'm currently reviewing for hot hardware. And honestly, is a pretty great phone. And then there's a 20S and a 20SE, which are lower spec phones. But so I, I don't want to kind of dwell too much on the cheaper ones because they are, eh, I mean, we can quickly talk about them. But I think the one I want to focus my time more on is this 20 Pro 5G. Have you had a chance to write about these at all? Uh, not much, actually, because I mean, I'm definitely, definitely aware of them, but they always, they're always kind of sitting in the background because like TCL just doesn't have a lot of like clout, so to speak, like in the, in the phone world, uh, like under its own brand anyways, compared to like, you know, just like. Samsung and uh, all the rest, yeah. Yeah, so sure. Let me actually walk the audience quickly through some specs, all right? So the 20 Pro 5G that I want to spend most of my time talking about is a 500 US dollar phone with a Snapdragon 750G, six gigs of RAM and 256 gigs of storage, very generous, even though it does have micro SD. It has a 6.67 inch curved AMOLED display with a tall aspect ratio, 20 by nine. It's a 1080p, of course, but it's only a 60 hertz panel. And it has a bunch of cameras. The most exciting one is, you know, four in the back and one in the front. That's not what we care about. That's kind of table stakes in this price point. But what's interesting and stands out to me is that this is a main sensor made by Sony, the IMX582, which is like the slightly detuned version of 586 that's been on so many phones for two and a half, three years, including the OnePlus 8 series. and it's got OIS. Mm. I mean, other than the pixels right now in this price range and the, maybe the iPhone SE, there's really nothing with OIS out there. Like it's very hard to find a phone with optical image stabilization. So that's kind of got me excited, even though, you know, we know that TCL is not the best at software. And yeah, I can confirm having used the phone now that, yeah, the imaging pipeline you know, the image processing and the camera software could be improved and is holding back this great hardware. But having OIS like is, is kind of stands out. The other things that stand out here for me are that this is a glass and aluminum sandwich. This thing looks and feels like a $1,000 flagship. You know, with the curved screen, that beautiful big AMOLED, the glass back, the camera pod, there's no pod, it, they're flush. It looks mm -hmm. super sexy. And then, you know, metal frame, glass back. Part of the glass back is matte. Then there's like a racing stripe of shiny color where the cameras are on the side. It's just really, really refined. And that is what stands out for me here. Yeah. Another thing that stands out at $500 is wireless charging. This has Qi, 15 watt Qi charging. Yeah, that's actually pretty decent for yeah, uh, like that right? price class. Like, so, you know, it ticks a lot of boxes of what I expect in a $500 phone, but never get from anyone else. You know, as a point of reference, I want to remind the audience that the Galaxy S21 has a plastic back. I want to remind the audience that the OnePlus 9 has a plastic frame. So even Snapdragon 888 flagships that cost just a little bit more than this are made of plastic these days. 
So seeing glass aluminum sandwich, to me, is very unique at this price point, and I welcome it. I want my phones like that. I know a lot of people put phones in the case and don't care, but to me, when I spend money on a flagship in particular, I don't care even if it's an affordable flagship like the Galaxy S20 Fan Edition or something. I want the materials to match, you know? And so this phone is attempting to do that, but with mid-range specs. Yeah. And, you know, mid-range specs that don't suck while it's charging OIS on the main lens, you know? The only Mm. thing that's really missing is a 90 hertz refresh to make this phone a solid hit. And, of course, the software experience, which could be better. It's not that it's bad. It's not that it lags. It's not that it's slow. The Snapdragon 750G is a perfectly fine chip for mid-range. It's a gaming-optimized chip. With 6 gigs of RAM, you'll be fine. Lots of storage. All that is great. 4,500 milliamp hour battery. Nothing to complain about. 18-watt fast charging. So, you know, like, there's nothing bad about the specs. It's just that... The software, the user experience is kind of all over the place. Like, I'm not sure if you use phones like that before. It's not bad. It does the job. It's not overly skinned, but it just feels incoherent and kind of haphazard. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. And so that's the thing that I think kind of lets this down. It's not like a Oxygen OS on a OnePlus, you know? It's not like a Pixel skin. It's not like Android One that you find on Nokia or... Sony, Motorola have a very stock version of Android as well. So that's kind of the problem, if there is a problem here with this phone and the lack of 90 hertz refresh. But it's a beautiful display. It's made by TCL. They make their own displays, their own TVs. So this thing is gorgeous. But 90 hertz is table stakes, huh? At this price point. Yeah, so it's starting to get that way. I mean, it's like it's at the moment. Is I would probably let it slide, but uh, like I can imagine, like I mean, even just like maybe half a year from now, this would be like, no, you need at least 90 hertz for this to fly. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's when I reviewed the uh, OnePlus Nord N200 5G we discussed on last week's podcast, that's the thing that made that phone so great at $240, right? Overall, the specs are really exciting, but the design was really good in terms of hardware, like really beautiful looking, much more premium than its price implied. And then it had Oxygen OS. And then on top of that, it had a 90 hertz. It wasn't an OLED, but it was had a 90 hertz display for $240. And this is $500 that have a 90 hertz display. And, you know, I've, I've mentioned this to the folks at TCL, Brad in particular, since he, he does their PR. And, you know, I think they're very well aware, but that's going to have to be a thing next year. Mm-hmm. or whatever future models are coming. So anyway, overall, look, if you're looking for a phone that looks like a flagship and feels like a flagship, like a proper $1,000, like really nice, like, you know, Galaxy S21 Ultra kind of grade flagship, this thing delivers. But the specs are mid-range, but it doesn't cut out the things that you really want, in my opinion, like OIS and wireless charging. And so that's welcome. I think that if they can improve their camera software and image processing, I think this would be a very solid proposition. And I still think it's a solid proposition. In the US here, this really only works on T-Mobile 5G because it's sub-6 only. Verizon's going to certify this phone, so it'll work on Verizon sub-6 as well. But again, like I don't know why we see this on so many phones, including that OnePlus Nord N200 5G last week. Mm-hmm. You know, like... There's no support on AT&T sub-6 5G. I mean, it should work. It's a Qualcomm Snapdragon chip. I think it's artificial. I think AT&T is really uh, gatekeeping which phones go on their network on the 5G side. So Yeah, that's kind of unfortunate because it's like, I mean, low-band 5G is like, that's 
sort of like the easiest target I you would think and you would you'd think they would want like as many phones as possible to run on their network so and it's getting pretty good John you know like I was out in the middle of the boonies last week I was traveling I'm back in San Francisco now but I was in the northwest before it got really really hot and uh you know, I was getting like 300 megabits down, 25 megabits up in the middle of nowhere on T-Mobile 5G. So like, that's where, like, you're not going to get that on LTE. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. those, you, you might get 150 megabits on LTE, but 300, like, I don't think I've seen that on LTE before. So like this was 5G. So I'm just saying like sub six might not be millimeter wave. You're not going to get a gigabit, but at the same time, it's a, this was a, you know, the phone I was testing this on was that OnePlus, and it's a $240 phone. Like, I was getting 300 megabits down. There's some benefits to 5G. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So this phone benefits from this as well. And then uh, the, the other two phones, there's a $250 TCL 20S, and that also has an AMOLED, but it's not curved, and it's 1080p as well. It's uh, got four gigs of RAM, a Snapdragon 665, so it's a 4G chip. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's got a 64 megapixel shooter in the back, but I figure it's like a, a Samsung like they did on the 10 series last year, which isn't a really great sensor, unfortunately, or at least they don't yeah. tune it properly. And based on my experience on the 10 series last year, I don't think that's going to be, I think it's actually going to be worse than the uh, 20 Pro 5G, which, you know, has a real what I call a real sensor, like a, that Sony IMX582 is is the real deal. It's solid. So mm-hmm. we'll see. They sent me all three, but I've really only taken out the 20 Pro 5G to play. Yeah, so, well, that's really the star, isn't well, it? Well, that's the one I'm reviewing anyway. So um, yeah, and then the you've got the $190 TCL 20 SE, and that's got an even bigger screen at 6.82 inches, but it's an IPS panel and it's 720p. You At that screen size that's going to be rough does have four gigs of ram at least a 5000 milliamp hour battery so bigger and a 48 megapixel camera as well but i think that one's again no ois and it's going to be a samsung or you know some other non non-quality sensor so don't get yeah. too excited but again at these prices that's what you expect so that's the tcl 20 lineup for north america at least mm-hmm. and i'm Honestly, pretty excited about the 20 Pro 5G. I think that if they can refine their software a little bit, and this is obviously a big question mark. I'm not sure what their update policy is. And they're, I'm sure it'll get at least Android 12 at some point because it's shipping with 11, which is nice, but yeah. it might not get much more beyond that. So yeah. again, buy a Pixel if you really want all that stuff. But again, if you look at the $500 Pixel 4a 5G, which is about to get replaced by an almost identical Pixel 5a, uh, maybe it'll be called the Pixel 5a 5G, but I'm not sure if the 5G moniker is going to stick on this. I mean, people are hopefully going to drop this 5G moniker, right, John? Yeah, it's good. Like at this point, like 5G is kind of like a given, and like even in the cheapest phones. So yeah, it's getting tiring, frankly. So we'll see. But the rumors are that we're going to see that phone sometime in August, and it's not going to be a big change. But the point I'm trying to make is that you can buy this TCL phone for $500 and get a glass and aluminum sandwich and get, you know, wireless charging and an IP rating, IP52. Or you can get much better software, much, much better software and lose the wireless charging, lose the metal build and have a Pixel. So that's, you know, they're at the same price, $199, $500 in the US. Uh, They both have a headphone jack, so you don't lose anything there. But the Pixel certainly doesn't have wireless charging. 
at least until you go up to the five. And it certainly doesn't have an IP rating. So, you know, to me, intuitively, I love wireless charging, but I would still pick the Pixel probably because, you know, the camera is going to be better. Yeah, unambiguously. But if you are more into having multiple cameras, like including a choice, like there's a five megapixel autofocus macro on this uh, TCL. And it's, again, let down by underwhelming image processing. But if you tweak the images in Google Photos, they look great. I was really actually surprised to see how good that macro performed. So look, it's, I don't know, it really depends what your priorities are. But if you photography isn't your focus and you are just used to maybe an LG phone or something in terms of you know, like the user experience, like this is an update. Like this is this is great. This yeah, is going to get you wireless charging and everything you want. So yeah, it's it's good value. Although like, I I'm definitely in your camp when it comes to the camera because I, I'm not a huge fan of the of those phones where they have like a 48 megapixel like main sensor, but then like every other sensor is basically this like I call them sticker cams, John. Yeah. It might as well just be stickers. Yeah. Right? They're just there to show that you have like three or four cameras and not much else. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Um, so check out my unboxing video on my YouTube of the 20 Pro 5G. And I also quickly unboxed the 20 series and the earbuds that they sent. They have their first ANC earbuds for $99. They're pretty nice. They sound good. But, mm. I, you know, I in the unboxing, I hadn't tried them yet. So I, I can tell you now on the podcast, I've tried them and they sound pretty good. I'm actually pretty impressed with TCL's earbuds and headphones. You know, I'm a pretty neutral, like in terms of my sound quality requirements. I don't like bass heavy headphones. I come from that, that audiophile background that like seems to be really flat. And some people don't like that because they feel it's not exciting enough. But honestly, TCL always delivers superb sound quality. I'm blown away every time. Even their cheap... $40 earbuds sound fantastic, the true wireless ones. Those are the, the ones that were released last year, they're really affordable. They don't have any fancy features like ANC or anything. But these new ones have ANC and mm. Move Audio S600 as the new ones. And the old one is Move Audio S150. They also did a Move Audio S300, but I never tried those. Anyway, mm-hmm. I highly recommend if you are like me, a bit into audio, to check out TCL's headphones and earbuds. Very nice stuff, frankly. Yeah, so that's that's kind of where we're at. There's a couple of things that are TCL-related. T-Mobile kind of surprised us all by announcing the Revel. They have that weird Revel brand, which is their in-house phone brand. And it's spelled R-E-V-V-L. It's like Flickr. It's weird. It's like Tank Girl. Who does that? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, like Pebble or Rocker, that kind of thing. Oh, yeah, you're right. Oh, my God. <laughs> forgot about those. Thanks for reminding me, John. That's great. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. All right. So the Revel V Plus, it's interesting because it's a $200 5G phone on T-Mobile. It's, you know, after last week's OnePlus, which was the cheapest 5G phone in the US, we now have the cheapest 5G phone in the US again with this phone. And so mm. at first I just was going to cover it as itself, you know, on its own and say, yeah, you know, there's a $200 5G phone from T-Mobile. But then I looked at the specs and I looked at the phone and lo and behold, it's a TCL S20 SE rebranded. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so with some changes because, okay, the TCL 20 SE we just discussed was the $190, the cheap 4G phone, right? Yeah. That one has like a Snapdragon 400 or 600 or something. It's a 4G phone. And then this T-Mobile has a MediaTek Dimensity 700, which is the cheapest, even cheaper than Qualcomm Snapdragon 480. It's the cheapest 5G chip on the market today. 
It's heavily used in India and in China right now on affordable $200-ish phones like the Poco M3 Pro 5G, for example, or the Realme 8 5G, or yeah, anyway, you get the idea. So this is interesting to me because this is a T-Mobile variant of a 20SC, but they yanked out the Qualcomm 4G chip and put a 5G MediaTek Dimensity 700 in there. Everything else, though, pretty much matches the specs on the SE, and, and it has more of a slab design, like the, the edges are flatter instead of being round, you know what I'm saying, like the, yeah. the sides of the phone. But mm-hmm. 200 bucks, dude, that's, yeah. that's kind of amazing. Yeah, honestly, it's more exciting, I think, than than uh, than the regular TCL branded thing because, like, I mean, yeah, I would buy this if I was on T-Mobile over the 4G version unlocked from TCL anytime. Yes, yeah, so, I mean, at this po- at this point, well, like, neither phone is going to be particularly fast, so you might as well get the one that's more future proof and just more interesting in general. I think. Yeah, I mean, in honestly, the Diamond C700, I've used it on a few phones now. It's a pretty solid chip. It definitely feels. Like Snapdragon 600 series fast to me. So that's not bad. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. It's also interesting that they announced it like a day or two after the TCL launch. And of course, they didn't mention it was TCL, but it's very obvious. In the past, a lot of the Revel phones were made by Moto and were rebranded Moto G series with obviously some, some cosmetic changes as well. So it's interesting that you know, TCL and Moto have been kind of on T-Mobile's... Um, call as it were for making these custom phones for them yeah but it's definitely good for users because i mean if you can like just buy the cheap phone that's like you know almost uh, almost a freebie and then you've still got 5g whereas everybody else is making you settle for uh, lte that's you know i think that that might tip the balance i mean again you don't need 5g still in the u.s but i still think it's a good thing to plan for you know i was I changed my mind a little bit when I used that OnePlus in the middle of nowhere and got 300 megabits down, 25 up. I was like, I'm not getting that on a 4G T-Mobile phone right now in the same place. So maybe this is worth it. For some folks, this might make the difference, especially if you do live in a rural area and this is your only connectivity. Like you might have pretty slow cable internet and every now and then you can fire up your phone, set it on hotspot and upload that YouTube video that would take you half an hour to upload. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. If this if this is your your main way of getting online, then yeah, go for the five G, especially if it like it's two hundred bucks because it's not like you know you're not really gonna pay. Uh, to, you're not gonna really pay uh, well less for LTE at this point. I think. Yeah. So this is it. This is what we're looking at. I'm just actually looking back at the SC now to find out what chip it was using. Oh, yeah, I was right. Snapdragon 460. There's no way you want that compared to the Dimensity 700. Okay. Trust me on this. For $10 more, you're getting a much faster chip. The Dimensity 700 is more in the 600 Snapdragon series. Oh, yeah. Great. And you're getting 5G. Like, no brainer there. No brainer at all. Yeah, well, yeah. At that point, it's like, well, well, then of course I'm going to get this thing because it's going to be better all around. So, yeah, like, even if you don't care about 5G, then why not? Yeah. Now, the next TCL news is kind of more like an MWC-ish thing. This is, again, something they had shown and discussed at CES in some way or another. And then now it's coming out next month, officially, the Nextwear G glasses. Mm-hmm. Thoughts? Yeah. Oh, man. Well, I mean, I wish it was like a like a mixed Smart reality. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, as opposed to basically a uh, like a uh, like a 
pretty viewing screen, but at the same time, it's well, they're you know they're not overly bulky or dorky. I mean, like they, they'll still scream that you're wearing a, a, like a wearable display, but you know they're not like some big bulky thing that uh, will that will make you wish you'd never bought them. So it's like so that's good. Um, I just wonder like how many people are gonna pick something up like this, you know, especially from TCL because I mean. Most people, when they think of TCL displays, they think TVs, not something you put on your head. So I, I think this might not be necessarily for our market. Remember mm-hmm. back when LG launched the G5 with its mm-hmm. friends? Remember that friends ecosystem of modular things? Oh, yeah, definitely. One of the friends was a pair of glasses like that. And it was exactly the same premise. This is purely a display you put on your face. Um, this has two 1080p OLED displays. And it's powered by the phone. There's a USB-C cable you have to plug into your phone to be able to even power these glasses up. They're not standalone or wireless or anything like that. And they do nothing but provide you with 3D stereoscopic display. Like you can use it as a 2D display, of course, to watch any movies you want or whatever. But it's interesting to me that they're kind of doing this essentially like a screen on your face. I can see this being nice on an airplane where you might have a crappy, and you know, non-HD display in front of you. Instead, you can get this. Yeah, exactly. Although, I said, like, the, uh, see, I'm trying to remember what the price is for the, for this, uh, for these glasses. Yeah, I'm looking. I can't remember either. Yeah, it's because the tricky bit is that, well, I mean, I think, uh, for the glasses, like, um, the, the tricky bit is, well, I don't think the, uh, the Oculus, uh, Go headset is available anymore, but, um, but I know, like, I would probably, you know, if I could find that, I would rather have that because that won't yeah. like I can you know I can have my private viewing uh, space, but I also don't need to have my phone hooked up to actually use it. So like that would that seems like a better value at least if it was still around. So I think the difference here is that these are somewhat see through, like in the sense that you might be able to look down and see what's around you, and also I bet you these are way more comfortable than something that covers your face, like yeah. a VR headset, because that's the thing I find with VR headset. You sweat, it's uncomfortable, you can only wear it for a short time, whereas this might be just comfortable enough that you can just put them on and do a six-hour flight. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's true. It's just like, it's, there is kind of an advantage to VR headsets, though, in that, like, you can basically tune out the world if you really yeah. want because oh, yeah. you're yeah. completely enveloped. So so if you just can't stand all the people on your flight, then you can just... Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Which is probably the case. Yeah. Well, look, we don't know the pricing, but stay tuned. It'll be coming out in a month. I'm sure I'll cover it again at that point. That's mm-hmm. basically the TCL news. It's a lot, but look, those phones are pretty significant, especially this uh, 20 Pro 5G and this Revel V, $200 5G phone for the US market. Like You can't argue that that's an incredible price for this level of performance. Yeah. Um, and then finally, uh, another phone that has been kind of a long time coming, just like this TCL 20 series that was initially announced at CS. This phone was initially announced in March or April, and it's the Sony Xperia 1 Mark III. And uh, the embargo lifted on, I want to say Tuesday, and the reviews came out, and I linked to Marquez's review. I don't have the phone. I will be getting one soon, but I did get a chance to play with one. I can't tell you how because I would be mm-hmm. revealing my sources, but I did get a chance to play with one, you know, get a first impression, and I'm really impressed with this phone. Like, this is a total nerdgasm of a phone. Like, if you want the nerdiest, most spec-laden phone in the planet, this is it. And the cameras don't suck. 
And the reason I'm, I'm linked to Mark S's review because I feel like it's the closest to my opinion of the phone. There are some shortcomings, battery life, although I mm-hmm. didn't get a chance to experience that myself. But the biggest takeaway is that like all Sony Xperia phones, especially the last, the one series, the one Mark One, Mark Two, Mark Three, the cameras are spectacular, but don't seem spectacular. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you have to be a photography person to really appreciate how good the cameras are. If you're just there to, you know, to mash the button to get the best possible photo, like you would do on an iPhone or a Pixel or a Galaxy, this is not the phone for you. It will do that, but you're not going to be happy with the result. You're going to say, oh, look, the colors are muted and, oh, it's kind of looking flat. But then you load it up into like Lightroom and you're like, Oh my God, look at the dynamic range. Look at the detail. Look at the low noise. You know, it's like, it's, it's basically an alpha camera in a phone format. Yeah, it's like the, I think like Apple and like Samsung and companies like that, they often tune to, like, to make it the most appealing, not necessarily the most accurate. And uh, obviously Sony's kind of leaning towards more like, like the accurate, like the uh, thing that might not be as impressive, but you know, actually gets the results that are closest to, uh, in theory, what you were actually seeing in real life. 100%. And so this is not that phone, but I think that the reviews are going to be the same as last year, which is the cameras are really not that great, Sony. Why is it 1299 And last year it was also, why doesn't it have US 5G? This year they remedied that. This thing has US 5G. But I think it's going to be, for those of you who are into imaging, those of you who want the best specs on a flagship, this is going to be the phone. I mean, you can spend a little bit less and get a Galaxy S21 Ultra and be very happy, but then you're just running with the rest of the herd, right? This is really different and not sucky. Like, you're not going to lose out. It has a headphone jack. (laughs) It has micro SD. It has so many things that are missing on even the galaxies. Like, it has wireless charging. It has a 4K 120Hz display. 4K 120Hz AMOLED with no notches or holes. Yeah. Like, uh, 21 by 9. So if you're a cinephile, I mean, mm -hmm. it's amazing. Yeah, I just wish... um, wish they had better battery life i mean it's part of it comes from that weird decision to basically lock it to 4k and, yeah right yeah you yes. can't change the resolution down to 1080 or anything yeah yeah and i've I've also heard that the that uh, the screen isn't that very you know easy to see outside i mean go yeah. figure it's the 4k oled in that kind of size like there's the the uh pixels are really tiny so but if you yeah. just have to have 4k then uh, or you know like just a really nice display. Like it's hard to get much better than that. Yeah. Thanks for pointing out the shortcomings, especially the the outdoor performance. For those of you like me who live in California or someplace warm and sunny, it's hard out there when you don't have a display that can keep up with you, especially if you're wearing sunglasses or something. Like it's impossible. You pretty much can't read your screen. So, you know, the Galaxy S21 Ultra shines. I mean, it's a thousand nits peak or 1200 or something. You'll see it even with your sunglasses on in the sun, which is great. So yeah, mm-hmm. this is... This is uh, very much looking forward to getting this phone because I loved the one Mark II last year. The only thing that would have absolutely made me no way, I could not recommend it, was you were paying $1,100 back then, so this is even more expensive, but you were paying a lot of money for a phone that didn't have 5G in the US and was a flagship. Now Mm. at least you're getting that. And also the last year's phone was 60 hertz only. And I'm sorry, a flagship in 2020, even in 2020, that did not have 90 or 120 hertz was, even if it had 4K, I didn't care. Like, it had to have the high refresh rate. 
And you know, Sony, listen, they gave us the things we didn't have last year. They gave us 120 hertz, which we wanted. They gave us 5G, which we wanted. Like you got to give them props for listening to their audience. Yeah, exactly. It's like it's a, it's a much more compelling case. I mean, at least if you're willing to drop $1,300 on your it's phone. It's a lot of money. It's a yeah. lot of money. But this is the kind of phone that, you know, you only buy because you're a niche person and a nerd. So, you mm -hmm. know, you, you know who you are. You're listening to this show. I, I, I got you. <laughs> uh, you're buying a new phone every year. I get it. It's cool. Do it. Like, look, if you have the money, do it. I think this is going to be a great alternative to the best flagships out there that are mainstream, you know, and give you something unique, but that doesn't make any compromise. Like, you know, I love the Oppo Find X3 Pro. It's my favorite flagship so far in 2021, but I can't use it because it doesn't support 5G bands in the US. It barely supports 4G bands in the US. Like half the time when I put a T-Mobile SIM in there, I see 3G. That's why I can't use it, but I love it. But mm -hmm. this is the same. It's like a very niche, you know, phone, but it doesn't have the compromises in terms of 5G coverage and stuff that you would have with an Oppo Find X3 Pro or something weird like that, you know? Mm -hmm. I know weird for the rest of the world, Oppo isn't weird, but for us here, it's like you pull out an Oppo Find X3 Pro at a restaurant and people are like, is that an iPhone? But it doesn't look <laughs> like an iPhone, you know? Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. Anyway, that Infinix concept phone video, I linked to uh, Unbox Therapy Lewis's review of it. Not review. Like they, they, they pinged me. They sent me the PR on this under embargo. They said, Miriam, we'd love to send you one, but we don't have enough. Would you mind waiting a little? And I was like, sure, no problem. I'll, I'll get one when I get one. Um, they, Infinix is this weird brand. Like They're Chinese, but made in China. But I think they're a French-based brand yeah, that is mostly popular in Africa and other parts of Southeast Asia. And I've got a couple of their phones that they sent me. Uh, you should check my YouTube channel for some hands-on and, and unboxings there. But this is like Infinix making a phone that, you know, they're not going to sell, but they're, they're kind of cranking it up to 11 in every aspect. Like essentially a flagship, although it only has like a, I think it's a MediaTek G90 or something, some high-end 4G chip from MediaTek. Mm -hmm. But, the rest of it is insane, right? Yeah, it's like, a, I mean, that 160-watt charging uh, is like, that's definitely something, I mean, like, I mean, I've seen some phones that have, like, ridiculously high, like, charging rates, like, but, but like, 160 is, like, I mean, they claim, like, I think it's, like, full charge in, like, 10 minutes or something. That's That's nuts. That's right, yeah. And it looks really crazy. It has a glass back, but under the glass back is some kind of electrofluorescent panel that you know can light up when you charge it and turns green and gives you a charge level it's not a display it's mm -hmm. it's more like you know uh, the casio g-shocks when you push the light button you get that like kind of bluish yeah. glow it's that kind yeah. of technology but in a green color and mm -hmm. uh it has like a massive camera pod with a whole bunch of cameras. I mean, the thing is just really insane. I know, of course, the, the brick is massive because it's 160 watt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I saw that video and it's just like this gigantic thing. Like, it's bigger than like, you know, the ones you get for like many larger laptops. That's just that much power draw, apparently. Yeah, absolutely. Let's see what else it has. Just some crazy specs. Oh, it has wireless charging, yes, at 50 watt. <laughs> yeah like that's pretty fast too so yeah wow 
And then anyway, it's just it's just fascinating. Watch watch the unbox therapy video, folks, and you can get a feel for where we're headed in terms of battery charging tech and even a brand like Infinix, who I would say makes lower mid-range slash higher end budget phones for uh, more developing nations, is you know able to flex itself into making a phone that is very exciting actually in some ways, right? Yeah. It does have a folded periscope telephoto lens as well mm-hmm. amongst its cameras and uh there is like a that's an eight megapixel and it's got like a ultra wide as well yes like it's pretty well balanced all around i really hope they make something like that like you know like an actual production phone because like i mean uh, having a uh, fiance from south africa like you sort of appreciate these brands that like do really well in, well say Africa for example but like don't do elsewhere like um, Infinix like Techno is an example and that kind of thing and it's yeah like, Techno is another brand yeah that's very popular in Africa yeah it's like and like you you want like these you know you want uh, like people in you know say like Johannesburg or someplace like that so to you know to be able to get a phone that like delivers sort of flagship level features at least some flagship level features but without having to pay through the nose like they would if they wanted to get, like, say, an iPhone or a Galaxy S21 or something like that. So, so yeah, if they could put something like this into production, uh, that would be wonderful. Yeah, so I finally found the camera specs. Uh, 64 megapixel rear with an 8 megapixel ultrawide and 8 megapixel telephoto. So, you know, in many ways, the specs inside are kind of mid-range, but it's, it's the charging and the design and the look and feel of that phone that are really unique. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's, you know, Infinix kind of showing off what they can do. Yeah, I, th- I thought it was a G90 chipset, but it's G95, so it's even better. Essentially, it's, a, you know, like a Snapdragon 720G or Snapdragon 730G kind of chipset, right? It's mm-hmm. it's pretty good. Like, you're not going to be wanting, but it's not like, a, you know, an 888 or something, right? <laughs> yes. And uh, frankly, for the kind of uh, people that Infinix normally courts, I think uh, this kind of, this class of chipset is probably... As good as good as uh, it would realistically get, like I don't think you know, like no, you're probably not going to be buying like a thousand dollar flagship phone if you're if you live in uh, Africa or like you know say parts of uh, India or China. You're going to probably get yeah get something like maybe mid range at at most, and that's and these days mid range is more than fine. That's actually often pretty good. Absolutely. And I think it's interesting because it takes us right back to that to that TCL twenty Pro five G. It's like you're getting a premium flagship like look and feel, but you're getting mid range specs. That's a lot of what Infinix and Techno are doing. Mm-hmm. Techno just came out with a phone that GSM Arena reviewed. Can't remember what it's called, but it's aluminum and glass, and it's like a three hundred and fifty euro phone. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. It's they're not skimping on things that. Like the Xiaomi's and Oppo's are skimping on today. You have to go to the Oppo Fine series, like the flagship, to get metal and glass these days. The Reno series, which is their super popular mid-range brand, which is a premium mid-range brand in India and other markets, is all plastic. All of it. Back, frame, and these are $500 phones that are plastic. Like yeah. it's like so many companies have gone back to just pure plastic phones, and I just don't understand it. It's like there was a time that even the Moto G, I think it was the G6, was aluminum and glass for two hundred bucks. Like, what happened here? Yeah, I don't know. How did we go wrong, John? <laughs> it's like I don't know. It's like it's like cost cutting or just deciding. Um... I think it's totally cost cutting. It's also the fact that people don't care. They put their phone in a case anyway. So at that point, they you know. 
And even if they don't put their phone in case, you got to give them credit that if they drop a plastic frame with plastic back phone, it's not going to shatter. It's going to ding and scratch and look kind of mangled. But the only thing that might crack is the front glass. And now it's one less thing to fix. And I get it. But there is something about handling a phone with aluminum and glass versus handling a phone that's plastic. I felt it right away on the OnePlus 9, the plastic frame. And I was like, no, 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 OnePlus, what are you doing? This is a flagship, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's like frustrating. Like, we, yeah, we need uh, more of them. I mean, even if the plastic ones do have their value in their own ways. For sure. Speaking of OnePlus, the OnePlus Nord 2 rumors are building up. And as you remember, the OnePlus Nord last year was, I like to call it the final Carpay phone. Because <laughs> it's the fir- last phone that OnePlus did that really, I felt really had that never settle slash flagship killer DNA, even though the Nord is not a flagship, it performed almost as good as the OnePlus 8 at the time and cost like significantly less, two thirds of the price. And I don't think they made any money on that phone. Like I can't imagine they made any funny on the OnePlus Nord original. Unlike the all the other Nords that have come out that are cheaper and also don't have what we expect from OnePlus phones like alert sliders and stuff. So I have a glimmer of hope that the OnePlus Nord 2 will actually deliver again a what we expect from a OnePlus experience, what they're still delivering on their flagships, but at a reduced price. Yeah. Your thoughts? And well, the design is certainly on, on track because, like, I think the well, I mean, not that the that the original Nord was uh, was bad or anything like that, but I think like the, from what I've seen, I mean, if this is accurate, like the the Nord Two will basically okay, it basically looks a lot like a like a One Plus Nine, just well, obviously it's like cut down for uh, for a different audience. So um, I th- like. I'm more hopeful for this than I am for like the recent batch of Nord phones that came out. Like those are just yeah. kind of those are like basically re, like rebranded phones. They're that, total oppos. Yeah, they're complete oppos. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, so it's like more hopeful for, for this, but at the same time, I'm like, it feels like they're not. They didn't quite entirely get it. Like what we want is like we want something that's just like just a little bit step down from like say what a OnePlus Nine can do, but just you know. Uh, but still something that feels like, you know, it's going to be super fast and it's go- like this thing's going to last me for years easily. And I'm not entirely sure they're going to be able to pull that off. We'll see. But I, so far, the rumors are this is going to run a MediaTek Dimensity 1200, which is the top of the line chip from MediaTek. It's a 5G chip. It's in line with the Snapdragon 778 or mm-hmm. 780. It's a, you know, high end. It might even be as good as like a Snapdragon 865, 870, you know. In terms of mm-hmm. performance, it has a 90 hertz display, AMOLED, of course, and it true in either 30 or 65 watt charging. I bet it's going to be 65, mm-hmm. and you know probably some decent cameras. This is the formula that the Nord followed last year. The Nord actually had optical image stabilization, believe it or not, and it's kind of sad that the OnePlus Nine today does not have OIS. That's another thing. Like to me, I say to you, if you're listening, audience, and you want to buy OnePlus right now. Save up and buy the OnePlus 9 Pro because the OnePlus 9 is not a flagship. It does not have OIS on the camera. And that's a big killer when you want to, you know, get a good shot, especially if you're zooming in. And these big sensors can zoom in quite well by cropping. So you, you need OIS. And then, of course, you get softer images and low light. And so 
the other thing with the 9 is get a plastic frame, as I mentioned, and I think this will have a plastic frame. The original Nord had a plastic frame. So I think there's going to be plastic frame glass back, no OIS. I'm betting on this, that they're going to save money on removing OIS, which we're going to be pissy about because I think it's necessary. And of course, it's not going to have wireless charging because that's, even though mm-hmm. OnePlus 9 doesn't have wireless charging in most markets, it only does it in the US and Canada, I believe. So mm-hmm. it's specific to our market. Now the 9 Pro obviously has the full beans and that's why I say save up and buy the 9 Pro, you know, if you're going to buy a OnePlus phone today. But then again, you're going to look at it and go, well, maybe I should just buy a Galaxy S21 Ultra because the S21 Ultra is on sale at every carrier in North America right now. And it's probably $100 cheaper than a OnePlus 9 Pro. And it's hard to argue with you on that. Like I wouldn't argue with you if you said to me, Miriam, I'm going to buy a Galaxy S21 Ultra because... It's a fantastic phone. Yeah, it's like there's very few areas where where you say they really need to do better. It's like it's solid all around. So I'm a little worried that like OnePlus is not competitive anymore, even though mm-hmm. I like Oxygen OS a lot, especially at their high end. But at the mid-range or the premium mid-range, which is this what this Nord 2 is, or at the affordable flagship, which is the OnePlus 9, they're missing the mark. Like if they don't correct next year and give us OIS and a metal frame on these phones, I think they've lost the plot. Like I'm willing to give them a pass this year, but I think that even the Nord should be aluminum frame and glass back and should have OIS. And because last year, that's pretty much what we got. I mean, we didn't get an aluminum frame on the Nord, but I don't want them to cut corners. I want them cut the corners on the specs a bit. Like give us a 700 series or a MediaTek 1200. All that stuff is great. But we need, you need OnePlus to be OnePlus. And even if it's a part of Oppo, it still needs to deliver that. And I, I think they're not going to do it. Yeah. I think we're doomed. Yeah. Like, if it's the, it was supposed to be never settle for a reason because like, because you didn't compromise in any obvious way. And well, it's like, especially with some of their uh, lower end uh, phones, like it seems like OnePlus has been compromising a whole lot lately. Yeah. And speaking of compromises, other leaks are happening here with the Moto Edge 20 or potentially called Moto Edge 2. Basically, last year I had the Edge and Edge Plus, which were both premium phones. The Edge Plus was a flagship. The Edge regular was like a very premium mid-ranger with a Snapdragon 765G. And this would be the successor to both of these or one of these. And there might be different versions of the Edge 20 or Edge 2. But the bottom line is the leaks are coming out. And we have a better idea what to expect, including a Snapdragon 778G, which is essentially the 765 replacement, 108 megapixel across the board on the rear camera now. And it would have that crazy extreme waterfall display. That's really what the Edge brand is about. Um, Not a big fan myself, but I have to say these two phones were pretty great, the Edge Plus and the Edge. The only thing, again, the Edge had no OIS on the main camera or on the telephoto for that matter. Yeah, And I don't understand that. I, I yeah. don't understand how Moto cannot make a camera to save its life. Yeah, I, like, I don't get it because they'll talk up like quad cameras and things like that to, to no end. But like when you actually look at the specs, it's just this like, eh, it's like a, in many cases, it's not much better than the, like, you know, the stereotypical like budget phone thing where it's like 48 megapixel main camera and then like eight or maybe 16 megapixel ultra wide and then then the useless the sticker cameras um, <laughs> so um so yeah it's like i would i would like them to step that up um 
I also kind of wish I could like they could somehow keep the edge branding without doing a waterfall display because I mean yeah. like, no matter like no matter how good your uh, your uh, input detection systems are like it's just it feels like you're going to have to handle this thing with kid gloves compared to like a lot of other phones so for sure I will link to an article by Jessa Marina that has like a a photo of a table of the specs so it's not a text table it's a it's a photo table but it shows different versions of this phone. There is a US version, a global version, an India version, and an Europe, Australia, Latin America version. And if you look at them, they're pretty much, I think, they all have that edge display, a 6.67 inch or 6.78 inch, depending on which model, with 120 or 90 hertz, right? And then they have different Qualcomm or MediaTek processors, either Snapdragon 778G, as I said, or 870, which, as you know, is a rebranded 865+. Plus. And then MediaTek mm-hmm. 720, that sounds like the lower-end model because that, that chip is mm-hmm. barely better than a 700 Dimensity, which is their entry-level 5G chip on, on MediaTek's roster. So we'll see. But like excluding that Dimensity one, the other ones are very similar in specs, but there's small variations of everything. Like, you know, some have, like the US version has an 8 megapixel ultra wide versus a 16 megapixel on the other ones. It's just really weird to me. And then the better one, the, the, the global model, has an 8 megapixel telephoto 3X optical, but the US version is not going to have that. It's going to have a 2 megapixel depth sensor instead. It's like, I think we're going to get the short end of the stick again, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Say probably like I don't know why companies carve things up like so finely like as if you know it's like they're just using their focus groups to decide okay well what sensors and things like that. It's not just the focus groups, John. It's the carriers. This is a Verizon phone. It's I can see it all over. I guarantee has no OIS. Verizon's like you don't need OIS. Stick it out. You know what I'm saying? Whereas I bet you the global model, which has the telephoto, will have OIS guaranteed. That's exactly what's going to happen here. Because the Edge Plus last year, they didn't hold back the Verizon model. They had everything, but it wasn't a success. And mm-hmm. so like Verizon's like, well, make it slightly cheaper, decontented a bit. People aren't going to know the difference. They're just going to buy it when they walk into the store. And they're probably right, but it's messing with the entire ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Ah, so frustrating. Yeah. Anyway, the reason I put this news item in here is because I thought the Edge last year you know, in many ways, didn't get the love it deserved. It's a really good phone, but it is suffered again by Moto's inability to make a camera to save its life and by some software bugs and issues, especially around that edge display and the erratic touch issues. So there's no reason they can't fix these things. And that's why I'm slightly hopeful that we're going to get, maybe not in North America, but that that global Edge 20 or Edge 2 is going to be a phone that's flagship worthy. That can, you know, Moto needs a flagship every year. They didn't for a long time. And last year's Edge Plus was that device, even though, you know, it had issues. They can fix these issues. It's Moto. Like, I just feel like Moto is just been cruising along and not trying hard enough. Mm-hmm. And I don't understand why that is. They they're, they have a legacy of, of expertise and experience that's so high and strong, yet they're just wasting it, you know? Yeah, it feels like, like if, if you want, like, it's like almost like Lenovo is focused more on Lenovo phones. Like their, you know, their yeah. gaming gaming phone hardware is just like over the top ridiculous, and it like sounds like outstanding. And then Motorola is just it's the kind of thing we use to cater to North Americans and you know, like maybe some people in South America and that kind of. And they just sort of just sort of prioritize accordingly. Hundred percent. Speaking of MWC and Snapdragon chips, 
Qualcomm took the opportunity to launch the Snapdragon 888 Plus, which is, as you know, every year they have the flagship and then they do a plus version that's clock bin, basically. They, they take the best ones off the assembly line and crank the clock up a bit and you get a slightly faster chip for gamers and stuff. So that's, mm-hmm. I think, pretty interesting, but they actually did some tweaks. So there you yeah. go. Yeah, that's good. It's like, I guess, really, I think it still sort of maintains that sort of plus spirit, if you will, where it's all about just... Making sure that phone companies have to release devices towards the end of the year have something that's still relatively current, so they don't feel like they're using like you know half a year old or a year old chips in their devices. So yeah, yeah I, I imagine like a lot of companies like, hey, well, we've got a new phone for the holidays, and it's look, it's a little bit faster than the one that was released in March. So have at it. Yeah, I think we're going to see this on gaming phones first and then uh, maybe the second half, like the Note, if it ever comes out this year, we'll have it, you know, like last year they did that too. Uh, or mm-hmm. maybe the Z Fold 3 will have it. We'll see. Yeah, um, it feels like it's like a, like practically tailor-made for, like say, you know, the, the foldable phones from Samsung, just like something that they can have the, the latest chips in them, even sure. if like, they're kind of offshoots of, uh, of the S21 family. 100%. Speaking of Samsung, the Galaxy Watch 4, we have some ideas. You wrote this story, so tell us about it a little bit. Samsung took the opportunity to go out there and tell us about what the new One UI for watches would look like. And But they mm-hmm. didn't commit or specifically say much about what the actual hardware would be. But then there's a bunch of stories that have come out since then, including yours here, that tell us a little more, kind of summarize everything we know. So what's the deal? Okay, well, I think the most interesting thing to me is that it's like they sort of have a distinct split in designs because I think uh, last time around it was more or less, okay, well, here's this one design, uh, like it or leave it. Uh, and like, this is more like, I mean, if this is right, it's like sort of like they're rolling the Active family, the Galaxy Watch Active family into mm-hmm. the, like, the main Galaxy Watch family. So like there's a base Galaxy Watch 4 that would be like this, looks like something you would basically get for for your workouts and so on. It's like... Like a rubber strap looks like it's fixed in place even and you know like no fancy bezels or or anything like that and then you have i guess this classic one that's kind of popped up in rumors recently where it, uh-huh. would, it would look much more like i guess what people think of when they think of a galaxy watch like you've got like the the big chunky bezel like the more traditional watch style and strap and that kind of thing so i same basic specs underneath but uh it would but you know the design would be very different yeah, that's pretty interesting to me. I, I'm actually excited about this. I, I was a big fan of the Galaxy Watch 2, which is a Tizen mm-hmm. watch, which I used for a while, mm-hmm. and uh, never got the 3. And then this, you know, in case you're not following, folks, the big news here is that Google at Google I.O. announced that they're partnering with Samsung to kind of evolve Wear OS. And so this is going to be the first probably wear, new Wear OS watch so it's not a Tizen watch, and it's going to hopefully deliver a way better experience than what we've had from Wear OS based on what Samsung's learned from making a smartwatch over the last five, six years. And the other thing that's exciting to me about this is, you know, they're skinning it. They're doing, a, you know, one UI kind of overlay. So that means that we're going to start seeing the same with Wear OS as we're seeing with phones. Everybody's going to have their own little slight different flavor of Wear OS, which... Mm-hmm. I mean, I shouldn't say I'm excited about it. I just think it's interesting. Like, and um, you know, One UI is not my thing necessarily, but I do admit that it's a, not an unpleasant experience. I can live with it. So, yeah. 
Yeah, I'm just kind of like, I'm just wondering, like, because I mean, from what little they've actually shown of it so far, it's like, it's some ways it feels kind of like Wear OS, but like just a little bit different here and there. So it's like, so I'm just worried that like they're going to make much uh, ado about this, but it's basically going to be like uh, sort of, I don't know, a, a slight update on Wear OS and it's not really going to move the needle much because I would uh, I would really like it if they just kind of like almost threw out the rule book and do, did something completely new but I don't know <laughs> if we're going to get that uh, probably not um, yeah. any thoughts as to whether this will have like the Galaxy Watch active the the touch bezel around you know for because uh, you know the, the Galaxy Watch 2 that I have has a physical bezel that rotates that lets mm-hmm. you essentially acts like the little the crown on the Apple Watch right? it lets you select menus and stuff without having to touch the screen and I'm wondering if there is going to be uh, the, the equivalent of that with a capacitive ring basically I hope so because I mean I know like there was uh, an early uh, at least one earlier active model. Was the active two? I think like yeah, it's the active two. Yeah, yeah, where you could like you could just uh, sort of rub your thumb. Along yeah, that's kind of what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like uh, I could see that happening for the for the base Galaxy Watch Four. I mean, because in many ways it looks just like an active, just without the, without the name at the end. <laughs> right. So, um, so and then like maybe the classic is for the people who just you know well I have to have a thing that physically moves to for this to feel right and I will not settle for anything less. So, <laughs> Probably, so yeah. Yeah. um yeah so look I mean I'm honestly excited about this new chapter of Wear OS and what Samsung and Google are going to be doing together. Um big fan of the Tizen watches even though Tizen is not my thing because mm-hmm. it doesn't integrate as smoothly with Google. So this is solved now. I think that we're going to get what I want like this great hardware and software experience that Samsung delivered on the Galaxy watches combined with a, a nice, fully integrated into the Google ecosystem experience, including yeah. assistant and stuff like that, that we didn't get on the Tizen watches. So I'm cool with this. Yeah. Let's talk about the final thing. This is not really my wheelhouse because I'm a Mac user and, well, you know, I do use Windows sometimes, but Microsoft finally launched Windows 11. Did they announce or launch? Can you get it on a device? They announced it. You can get a preview right now, uh, like because okay. they have the insider previews and so on. But uh, but uh, like if you want to actually, you know, like run out and well download a copy, I guess like so you're like a regular copy. You're going to have to wait until the holidays, basically, to to get it. And even then, um, some people might not get it until uh, early 2022. Yeah. So you wrote a story here that tells us a little bit more. I think the the takeaway for me from what I've read before I read your story was that they are uh, going to let you run Android apps in, win- in Windows 11 somehow. And uh-huh. they're partnering with Amazon as the app store for that. And uh-huh. um, so that's exciting to me, like uh, running, you know, having run uh, Android apps in Chrome OS, uh, I can see some potential. It's not something I do all the time, but it's nice to have on my Chromebooks. Um, so... Tell me a little bit what we know there. What What's your take on all this Windows 11, Android, and Amazon stuff? Because you wrote that story. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, I guess the just is like sort of like a store within a store. So, um, like they've actually talked about being open to uh, other stores. Like they would love it if, like, say, Steam or the Epic Games Store came to to uh, to Windows 11. But yeah, in this case, it's like. Yeah, you basically just get whatever Amazon's offering for Android apps, and then they will run. I like from what they've shown so far, basically like in the same kind of 
sort of like format and aspect ratio that you would expect, uh, like depending on how the app is optimized, I presume. Right. Um, like, so if you know if you have TikTok, it's going to be a, a like a vertical a vertical window, and with all mm-hmm. the limitations that come with that. Uh, but I mean, I guess the Amazon has a lot of uh, like major apps. So like, you know, you have like Netflix and TikTok and uh, and uh, Kindle app, of course, and like all your smart home apps. So it's like, so right. so um, I think some some people are complaining. I mean, not without reason that you know, well, you won't be able to get all those you know apps that are like seemingly only on Google Play. But I don't know. Like it's you know it's broad enough that i mean if you're a windows user you're probably not looking to run some highly specialized android app on your phone you're just like i just well from your phone rather i was like i just want to be able to uh, i just want to be able to like you know scroll through my tiktok feed or or something like that while i'm like while i'm stuck at work <laughs> so yeah you know i get it. i think it works okay because you can you know like the the, the google apps that you'd obviously need for this are you're running them you know, like things like Gmail, you'll be running in the web anyway, right? So mm-hmm. it's like, I can understand how uh, that wouldn't be a big issue. But like, you know, if you're on a Fire tablet and you try to run Gmail, you can't, right? Like, because, you know, you need the Google Play services and stuff, which, you know, the, the Fire tablets don't include anymore. So, so this is a little different. I think they can kind of get away with not having the full Google ecosystem of Android apps there because the web provides, right? Yeah, exactly. I think it's like a lot of the things you'd want to do, you can already do. So this is more of just a like, yeah, in the off chance, there's an app that you know that you can't easily uh, can't easily run on your desktop. Like, I mean, TikTok has a web version, but like hardly anybody uses it because it's like hard, it's like hard to access and it's not just even not Instagram, as well. like Instagram on the web. You don't want to do that. You want to run yeah. the app. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I only use Instagram on the web to like just like as a vanity thing to see how many people like my latest post, that kind of thing. So, um, so yeah, it's like, it's like, it's, it's definitely going to be a nice thing to have, especially if you do have like uh, lots of smart home things and you don't like, but they don't have a desktop app for them. That could, that could be helpful, but it, I suppose it depends on just, how much people want to actually support the Amazon App Store? Um, it might get a big boost now that Windows is going <laughs> yeah, right? to be behind it. So not a bad deal for Amazon. Yeah. And then I don't know how much of this you know, and I don't want to get to elaborate too much because we should wrap up. But supposedly Windows 11 only runs on processors that have uh, a trusted mo- like security module, like a TPM chip. I- is that right? Uh, it's like well, I think it's like TPM 2.0. Uh, now I think the, initially they're like they were talking about a certain you needed to have a certain kind of like generation of Intel Core processor or a certain generation of AMD Ryzen processor like to be able to run that. Um, I think they were they've recently said that they were like looking at possibly lowering the requirements a bit. But yeah, like the like the weirdest thing is that Microsoft, the company that like is loves legacy support almost too much. Is suddenly suddenly saying, "Nope, if your computer's more than a few years old, too bad, so sad. Buy a new system." So wow, yeah, that's a big change for them for sure, especially yeah. in the enterprise market. It'll be interesting to see how that pans out. Although enterprise has, you know, the financial might usually to do these upgrades as needed, right? Yeah. So yeah. I think I think it'll be interesting to see. But yeah, I'm probably just going to wait till I get a laptop to review that comes with Windows 11 to get my first Windows 11 experience. Um, but mm-hmm. I'm not going to hunt it down. It's not really my primary OS. So, But still, it's good to know that Microsoft is, you know, continuing on with 
Windows and doing something interesting with this Android app integration. I think it's cool. Yeah, actually, I mean, it was just nice to see Microsoft actually try to release a new version of Windows as opposed to, I mean, when they announced Windows 10, it was go- this was going to be the last version of Windows. They were That's just right, be, yeah. Uh, updating Windows 10 forever. So, I mean, they're still going to be updating Windows 10 a bit, but like here it's like, okay, we're actually going to try something different and actually try to move things along. So it's, a, it's a nice from a, that perspective at the very least. Yeah, it does feel pretty fresh coming from Microsoft, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, John, we should wrap up. Do you want to tell folks where they can find you on the internet, obviously in Gadget and Road Authority, but tell them where, where else they can find you. Okay. Well, see, in addition to Engadget and Android Authority, um, like you can find me on the socials. As a general rule, it's uh, John Fingus. So like that's fairly easy to remember. Um, see, I do post on Flickr. Uh, so like I've finally been posting photos again because I basically comfortable and able to actually sort of go out and take photos again. So if you want to see my, my photography, you can go there. But yeah, I mean, for the most part, it's like I tend to hang out on um, like Instagram and Twitter a lot. That's like pretty much where you can find me. Awesome. So check out John on his various social. It's John J-O-N. So you just don't look for the wrong thing. And folks, you know where to find me on the internet. I'm at Tankerl. That's T-N-K-G-R-L. Like the comic book character Tankerl, but drop the vowels. And that's my handle on Twitter and on Instagram. If you want to discuss this podcast with me and John, please hit us up on Twitter. Ask us questions, correct us, whatever you need to do. We'd love to chat with you. Instagram is where you'll find pretty pictures taken with the phones I'm reviewing and pretty pictures of the phones I'm reviewing. There's not just phones there, but, you know, check it out. And then, of course, there's a couple of YouTube channels you should be aware of that are complementary to this podcast. They're like visual content for the podcast. YouTube.com slash Mobile Tech Podcast is the main channel. Please like, subscribe, tell your friends and all that good stuff. And then YouTube.com slash Mobile Tech More is the second channel that my producer and I are kind of ramping up to build. We'd love to get a thousand subscribers so we can monetize. So please subscribe, even though there's not a huge amount of content there. It's going to be focused around smart home, travel tech, electric cars and car tech, all the stuff that's peripheral to mobile, but still interfaces with mobile in some way. We get a lot of devices sent to us that don't just fit in the main channel very well. So that's kind of where we want to go with that. So please like, subscribe, tell your friends as well. And then, of course, the podcast lives at mobiletechpodcast.com. There is an RSS feed there if you are old school. But also, we're on every major platform, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Spotify, you'll find us there. Please subscribe, tell your friends. If the app you're using lets you rate or review the podcast, please consider rating or reviewing the podcast. That really helps for discovery. Also, we have a Patreon now. It's been a few weeks. So if you want exclusive content or you want to join the Discord channel, please consider joining the Patreon. There's different tiers there. One of them is kind of fun. You get to see this podcast rather than hear it. You get to see a video version of this podcast unedited. So I only cut out like major mistakes and or embargoed stuff they're not supposed to talk about. And you get that generally the same day I'm recording on the uh, Patreon. And then you have access to the Discord server if you want to chat with me and stuff. It's a lot of fun. So yeah, check it out. I want to thank Martin H, which is our new Patreon this week. And, uh, you know, consider patreon.com slash tankgirl. That's patreon.com slash T-N-K-G-R-L. 
see you there, help me out. And then if you don't want to do Patreon, but you still want to help out financially, there's a donate link in the show notes. It goes to tankgirl.com and then you'll find a PayPal button there. You can just click on it and make a donation. That would also really help. So consider these options. And I also want to thank our sponsor, Audible. Audible has been with us since the early days. They're a fantastic sponsor. If you like books as much as I do, if you like to read, but maybe you want to listen instead to books, they are the audiobook platform of choice. They are the ones to go to for audiobooks. AudibleTrial.com slash MobileTech is the URL. That's AudibleTrial.com slash MobileTech. That gets you a 30-day free trial and you get to keep a book at the end even if you don't stick around. But I think you will stick around because if you're not already with Audible, you're going to love it. It's all about books. It's all about reading by listening. And so if you're on a road trip and you're driving, you got to keep your eyes on the road. You put some audible audiobooks on. These things are epic. They last forever sometimes. You know, they also have podcasts and shorter things. There's such a great selection. It's fantastic. I love how a lot of books are read by the authors. So yeah, look, if you like books, new bookworm, whatever, even if you don't like books, if you want to have something to listen to beyond podcasts and music, check out Audible. AudibleTrial.com slash mobile tech to get a 3-day free trial and a free book at the end. I want to thank Audible for being our sponsor forever. And I want to thank you, John, for being my guest yet again on the show. It's been a while. Yes, it has been. And you're, you're welcome. And thank you. It's been uh, great to catch up and to just dive deep into a whole bunch of uh, phones and other devices uh, like that. It's like, I'd love to do this again soon. We'll definitely have you on again at some point, John. And folks, we'll have another show next week. So stay tuned for that. Until then, cheers, everybody. This has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.